Hey everyone, welcome to the Matt Report. I'm your host, Matt, and I interview folks who make a living using WordPress or some derivative of, and today I have Stephanie Schechter, world-class designer, famous amongst the stars. Uh, thanks for joining the show, Stephanie. <laughs> Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Awesome. So so everybody knows I interview folks who use WordPress. They can be developers or designers, uh, marketers, bloggers. Um, but I also bring on people who might not use WordPress 100% of the time um, to give a different angle, to talk a little bit about what it's like to step outside the community, take a look inside or from the outside, look at WordPress uh, and kind of evaluate it. Uh, I want you guys to jump on the mailing list, mattreport.com slash subscribe, and that you will be the first to know when awesome interviews like this come out. So, Stephanie, give us a two-minute drill, two-minute warning elevator pitch of what you do now. I work for, I have spent my career doing industrial design and graphic design for all sorts of consumer products and marketing initiatives. So I've done retail displays in-store environments, websites. So really the whole brand, so really design covering the whole brand experience. I have recently been taking my background, my experiences, and using all everything combined to help entrepreneurs who are launching new ventures. So I have a back, from my background, I've worked with marketing people from a lot of the large consumer product brands. So I've learned quite a bit. From working with them, and now I'm applying that and helping people who are launching new ventures really get that same experience, and as if they're, you know, involved in a in a larger corporation and you know have a big um, marketing team behind them. But uh, boiling it down on a smaller scale. Yep. Yep. Giving them that full brand presence. Um, but having a personal relationship uh, with you is not like they have a, they're going into a large advertising firm and then they get lost into the mix of here's your project manager, here's your ad person, here's your PR person, all that good stuff. Exactly. So I'm really coaching them to be able to learn how to do it for themselves. That's good. So yeah. uh, you said something about uh, just now about coaching. Are you also giving that kind of uh, background experience on how you built your own business and are you kind of coaching them and consulting on that level as well like here's the here's the steps that I went down that you should avoid <laughs> uh, and, and here's what you should do in your business well it's it's funny that you mentioned that because not only do I have the experience building my consultancy but I have a business with my husband where um, we're about nine years ago we started a catering company He's a chef, and I we've built that business up from scratch. So I have the I've really had a full experience with with building a, a company from the ground up. So I try and let people come up with their own path. I can tell them a little bit about my experiences and guide them because I do have that knowledge. But but I I do not assume that the way I did it is is the way other people should do it. <laughs> That's good. A lot of our success is built on a stack of failures uh, for the most part. Oh, but, they're not failures. They're learning experiences. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, before we get too deep into the business and, and how you run your business, let's kind of just touch upon WordPress. When was your first time using WordPress? How did you dive into that? Well, I started using WordPress in 2011. I had some opportunities to do some web stuff um, in, within my practice 
And it had been quite a while since I had really done a lot of web stuff. I started looking into sites that I found appealing, and I started to notice the proudly powered by WordPress um, line at the bottom, and I started wondering, what is WordPress? This is something I never heard of. And so I started investigating it and saying, okay, well, I need to learn this because obviously this is the wave of the future, and this is what, what my clients are going to expect. Um, so that's how I got involved in WordPress, and I started to to teach it to myself, basically. Yep. So kind of new onto the scene, 2011, only a few short years ago. When you yep. first found out about it, how did you, where did you first look to say, I need to learn more about this? Did you just do the Google searches? Did you reach out to other folks? I started doing Google searches. I found things like websites like WP 101, just to be able to learn to install it. Um, just uh, different video uh, tutorials that I could find online to be able to understand what it was. It was a very different experience for me. In the past, I had built websites using WYSIWYG software and HTML. I, I was familiar with HTML. I had can, could write HTML. Um, I had done uh, used Dreamweaver to build some sites, but I had never worked with anything before that had a database. And that was my biggest learning curve, I think, with WordPress, was that I had no clue what it was. I didn't understand why my images were not just in an image folder and they were someplace else completely. That was from you know, a designer's perspective who had very little programming experience. That was really the, the most confusing aspect of WordPress to me. Yeah. Do you remember uh, like a scariest moment from putting your first site together? Like, oh my God, did I just break this? How do I, how do I fix this? And, and where, do I, where do I begin to even troubleshoot this? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it vividly like it was yesterday. Nice. Um, I had built a site um, for a festival and we were about to go live with ticket sales. And when I built it, I used a temporary domain that the host had given me. And I was trying to change the site over to the actual domain, but I didn't really follow all the steps. And because at the point I still really didn't understand the concept of the database and I didn't really understand how to go into the, the database and change the, um, the, the, uh, the directory pointers and all that. So I, um, I just went into WordPress and I changed the, the URL in within the dashboard and everything I had built up until that point mysteriously disappeared. Mm -hmm. And we were just about to go live with ticket sales. I was just about to leave for vacation. It was just, I, I had like a mini heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I lost all the work I had done for the last two months. And because I was new with WordPress, everything I had been doing took me a lot longer than it would take me now mm -hmm. because I, I was every time I wanted to to customize something or change something or install a plugin, it was all really new to me. So it it took an extraordinary amount of time to build that site. So I had to have uh, tech support help me sort that out, and I was really relieved when it could be sorted out. And <laughs> Nice. I haven't had that problem again. But yes, that was that was my work. That was my first experience. With now, did you did you panic. bring WordPress to that client, or did that client specifically request uh, to use WordPress? It's a great question. I brought WordPress to that client because I there was going to be a blog as uh, a blog um, component of that site, and I all 
and I so I felt that WordPress would be a good option for building the site and also selfishly because I wanted to learn WordPress more and have more experience with it. That's why I started using it. Did the client um, have an understanding um, about some of the speed bumps you were hitting um, if, if you were, you know, you know, uh, relaying the information saying that there might be like a database issue or, or I'm having trouble transferring this domain. Did they have understanding in that scenario? And I ask this because a lot of clients don't really care uh, about the technology behind it or 80% of the small businesses might not care about WordPress or Drupal. They just want it to work. How did you deal with that as a freelancer uh, running your business? The client was understanding as long as I fixed it and made it work. Okay. They didn't need to know. They weren't interested in, in why it didn't work. They were not uh, very technical. So as long as I made it work and I fixed it, they were happy. Mm -hmm. And how did they react to actually using WordPress? Um, were they fine with it? Yeah, they were fine with it. They, I actually, for that project, I did all the maintenance. So they didn't really have to go in and deal with any aspects of it. Good. So, uh, so it was all me. Nice. Um, so since that point, have you uh, still been focusing on WordPress as a core uh, product offering uh, and technology you're building your sites with? When it is appropriate. Okay. I've learned from my developers that to not always assume that it's necessary. For example, my site, my own personal website right now, is not built, was not built with WordPress because it's really a very simple almost like business card type of site. It's very low on content. Um, even when I update it, it there's, there's very little. Um, it, it just, my developer felt it was overkill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, so that, so that site is not WordPress, but mm -hmm. I, you know, so I, I try to evaluate it on a case by case basis because, you know, in some cases it, it might not be necessary. It might end up with a lot of bloat that you don't need. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. You know, just to just to be humble about it and yeah. not, no, not I, I, assume that it, it it's an um uh you know one size fits all answer. Right. I totally agree with you and we're seeing this more and more in the WordPress industry where now you have people building applications with WordPress and you know, full fledged social networks with WordPress and it's like, well, WordPress can do all this stuff. Well, what happened to blogging? What happened to just blogging with WordPress, right? Why is it now we're, we're using this as a framework or a foundation or a platform to build all this stuff, which is awesome. But when it comes down to, hey, I just need a really quick site. Do I need to be maintaining WordPress? Do I have to worry about security patches? Do I have to get five plugins to, to, to do a contact form and to make a slider when I can have somebody do it in HTML? It loads fast. It looks great. They can do anything they want with it. Um, so it's definitely a valid question that some people should. Uh, it's not all about WordPress, folks. <laughs> Although we love it, we don't have to build everything on WordPress. You know, I, I do love it. And, and you, you summarized all of my frustrations with it, actually, right there, is the, the updating is, you know, I, I completely understand why it happens, but I always find it terrifying um, to the, the potential conflicts and things breaking um, and then the extra work. If, if I have a site that the content isn't is it doesn't necessarily need to be updated on a regular basis, that it's it's not a major marketing site. It's just uh, it's just informational. I'm finding that it just makes a lot of more work for me to have to maintain it. And also, I have had a site 
hacked before with WordPress, even with some security measures. So that is, that's also something that I find really yeah. uh, frustrating. So, yeah. you know, it, it really, it really does pay to, to make for me anyway, not being a developer, not always being in that mindset to, to really evaluate when it's appropriate to use yeah. it. So you say something interesting. Uh, you say my developer, our developers, you uh, team with somebody else. Uh, what is that process like for you? Um, how do you? Uh, how did you find uh, your developer team? And how do you uh, interact on a on a per project basis, on a daily basis, when you're working on something new? Well, that's a great question. I when I started out with WordPress, I started working with themes that existing themes. And I found that I was spending a ton of time trying to find a, a theme that was going to fit my vision of what I wanted to build. And then a ton of time tweaking the CSS and playing with plugins and playing with the CSS within the plugins and all of that just to get the site to even resem like resemble what I wanted. Um, so... I had had a lot of frustration with that, and luckily I met a couple of developers that can build website, build WordPress sites for me, uh, build themes from scratch. So I've started to take advantage of that opportunity, and I found that when I am, when I have the opportunity to design a WordPress theme from scratch for a custom application, I'm producing a much better product. My um, my developers can build something that doesn't have all the bloat that would come with taking a theme that has a lot of features that, it, that I don't need and, um, and the complications of me trying to customize it um, and even going into the PHP files to change things. And, you know, I, I, I found that I ended up doing so much customization that there were sometimes issues just from doing that. So I found when I decided I wanted to try and build custom themes, I started going to the local uh, web development meetup and I met a developer, Al Calderon, which who, you know, from, from the WordPress meetup. And, you know, I sort of, I approached him, I approached him and said, you know, I'm really interested in, in doing custom WordPress themes. And he said, me too. So I started designing stuff and he started building it and he was able to really, boil down the files to the point where it, they're so minimalistic but functional that it's, it's just been great for me, that there's really nothing in there that I don't need. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to, and then I have another developer that I work with in the UK who also will do the same thing for me. Mm -hmm. He built my, uh, my current website, which mm -hmm. is actually not WordPress, but he built that for me as well. My process for working with them is I, I create Photoshop files for them that are layered and, and built on a grid. I'm very, very specific about what it is that I need and want with them. I, um, I'll do site maps, I'll do wireframes just to get the conversation going. And then when I really designed the site, they get my Photoshop files that, um, that are, are incredibly organized and all of my content is in, in layer groups that, that make sense to the area of the page. I've got um, everything down to the pixel of where the placement is supposed to be. I found that with working with the developer from being a designer, and I'm like you had mentioned uh, to, about my work before, 
I'm very, very detail-oriented. And if something's off by a couple of pixels, it looks funny to me. So the more specific, I cannot be too specific with, with them. And the more specific I, I am in the beginning, the less time I have to go, the less times I have to go to them and say, you know, I want to tweak this or I want to tweak that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my approach. So how do you, and, the, and this is something I think most of us struggle with, I know I struggle with a little bit. How do you fuse this process of designer developer, which let's be honest, it probably took a couple months for you guys to get into a, into a groove of here's how I present things. Here's your feedback. And now you can probably kind of know what each other's thinking when you're putting stuff together. Right. But how do you fuse that process when you go to the client and the client then says, well, I want, you know, horizontal navigation and vertical navigation. And I want this block here. I want that block there. You know, I want these colors. I want this shadowing. I want this to pop up. How do you fuse um, your interaction with the client and your own internal team? You set things out and already in your mind saying, I know how I'm going to lay things out for this client and I'm not going to let them break that structure. How do you deal with that? Wow. That's a really great question because <laughs> that, that really brings us back to the big picture. Mm -hmm. And over the last couple of years, I have really been working on developing my business and my practice so I'm not an order taker, that I'm not just a maker, that people are coming to me because they're looking for me to give them creative direction and guidance. And really, we're working together to make determinations for the, for the site that are based on what the user's needs are. So, and I actually, this process is something that I've learned from, from Jose Caballer, who you're familiar with, who uh, has the show this week in web design and also the school, S-K-O-O-L. And I've just learned so much from him about managing my client projects. I, I can't even uh, tell you enough how, how much it's really transformed the way I, I work on projects and work with clients. And that process really starts with a brand definition component where we are really defining what the client's company's culture is, what, what their value proposition is to their client, what, um, what personality that their company has, and boiling that down into a brand statement. So we really create a foundation for communicating what their brand is all about. And then what we do is look at their who their customers are, who their target customers are, what their target customers' um, needs are, what do they value, what brand voice, so what type of graphics, what co type of copywriting is going to resonate with that person. We do that by creating user profiles where we're actually envisioning who that person is and giving, like, almost, and, and writing, like, um, a profile for them as if they were a character in a play. Mm -hmm. So we give them a name and, and their demographics and the story of how they, they came across your product. And, and by really understanding those people and what their needs are, we are able to make the process of creating a website or creating a product so much more objective that it's not necessarily about what my aesthetic is or what I want or, or the client wanting a horizontal menu. We're really putting it on the, we're really centering it around what the client's needs are. So we create 
case studies where we're studying, where we envision what a user, how a user would come to your site. What would they be looking for? How we're going to create the hierarchy of information that that'll make it easiest for them to find what it is that they need. So it really takes it away from just being like, I want a one of these, <laughs> you know, to, to looking at the overall big picture and how do we take this and make it a really functional thing. And for me, this is like kind of a nat, like it, it, it all sort of naturally ties in. Um, I studied industrial design at RISD. I have been doing industrial design as part of my career for for almost 20 years now. So when I find that looking at a website as if it's if it's as if it's a product that has to be functional, attractive and achieve a certain a certain goal when when somebody's interacting with it and using it, which is really an industrial design kind of mentality, I finding that that has been very effective for me. Yeah, I mean there's amazing, amazing answers. So many things I want to pull from from that answer. Um, it's it's kind of refreshing to hear that uh, we've dealt with a lot of um, old school print designers, and that no offense to all the print designers out there, but when you jump into web, sometimes it's a little bit of a nightmare because we're not because we're not designing for a, a newspaper. We're designing for the web, so there's all kinds of uh, stuff that a lot of the print designers might leave out. But it's refreshing to hear. From an industrial designer's point of view, this is a product. It has to be sexy. It has to be usable uh, to the to the to the visitor. Um, and of course, your whole process uh, from the school uh, sounds amazing. My first question is: uh, following uh, Jose uh, on his show and and watching him kind of grow the school and seeing what it's all about. And I and I have my, my you know small interest in, in being you know having a startup in the whole uh, Silicon uh, Valley thing. Do you think that? And you let me know uh, from your experiences. Do you think that kind of process that you're learning from the school is is a typical small business client in our area? And folks not watching probably don't understand the New England, Rhode Island, Massachusetts area of the typical business person. When they sit down in front of you and they say, I want a website, and you say, okay, we're going to build a user profile, and you start and you draw the graph like he, did on, like he does on the show, do they say, I, what is all this stuff? I, I just need a website. Give me a website. How do you handle that when you try to bring all this thought and this process to the business person who just doesn't understand it? Do you say goodbye? <laughs> or do you say, how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, I've been really working hard on attracting the people that do uh, do understand it and do want it. And in my communication with people, I make it very clear that this is the type of work that I'm doing. If somebody had a very, very clear vision and they did, they were not willing to go through the process to really try and understand their brand and their clients, um, their clients' needs, I would refer them to somebody who could just build a site for them and, t and take that order because that's really not the type of work that I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm far enough along in my career to be able to say, you know, I, I, I'd rather see you with somebody who's going to be giving you what you want yeah. rather than if you're not interested in working in the process with me in the process that I offer, then it's just not a good fit. You know, yeah. you just have, I, you know, I, you have to be comfortable enough in what you're doing and what you're offering 
I'm confident in the value of uh, confident enough in the value of it yeah. to to just you know take projects that to to say no. Right, and I I, I totally agree with you, and I, and I bring that up for the for the for the freelancer who's just graduating college, if you will, and just j- jumping into the scene. <clears throat> A lot of the advice that we give folks and that we hear from other people and countless people that I've interviewed already had said, raise your rates, ask more money, say no, um, you know, set your bar higher. But it's not easy for that person who's just starting out to just keep saying no to, to, to business because they need, they need to grow their business. They need to grow their portfolio, number one. They need to make money to live, on the other hand. Um, and I think you're a testament uh, to show, uh, it's a testament to people that it takes a little bit of time but you build something great and then you have that portfolio and you can just finally say, uh, you know, that, that I've made it moment where it's like, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not an order taker. I love that line, by the way. It's an awesome line. It makes me think back to a teacher that uh, <laughs> Mr. King, he had a, a thing in his classroom that said, this is not Burger King. You do not get it your way. Um, and that's a, that's, you know, that's a great, uh, great way to put it. It's a little, it's a little nicer than Pixel Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, let's talk about the uh, industrial design. I think when I hear industrial design, I think John Ivy, Apple, building phones, cr- designing phones, creating hardware, uh, how a user interacts with with hardware. Um, what's something else about industrial design that folks might not know? How it can kind of relate to the web. Well, I think there are two really important components of industrial design that can relate to the web. The first is form, form the combination of form and function. So you want to take something that's going to be attractive yet functional. So you're always focusing on balancing those two things. The second component is whether or not it can be built. So when I am designing a three-dimensional object, I not only have to think about the the existence of that thing, what it's going to look like, how people are going to interact with it, but also thinking about how somebody is going to manufacture that. You know, so if I were building a WordPress site, the whole time that I'm designing it, I'd be thinking about, am I going to be able to find a theme and customize it to do this? Am I going to um, be able to get my developer to do this? I'm going to have to talk to that person a lot. And, and communicate with them a lot to, so because I'm not an expert in development to make sure what I'm envisioning is real. Um, and I think the other, there's one other thing that I, I'd like to mention about that also. For me, my personal aesthetic is minimalist. I really like things that are very clean and simple and only have the amount of information they absolutely need. I'm not into a lot of extraneous um, styling and um, decoration. That's just my personal style. And one thing that I found in terms of translating that in from industrial design to web design is that when you're doing work that's very minimalistic, you have to be extremely detail-oriented or it looks undone or so simple it it looks like nothing. So it's it's the quality of the ty- typography, the um, proportion of the the content on the page, how everything is positioned, and how the content relates to each other. 
Um, again, it's about the hierarchy of information. Does it make sense? So I'm, so that's how I tie the two together. That's great. Um, that great question that you bring up is, can it be built? I see this time and time again of either client ideas of function, uh, sometimes my own ideas kind of run away with me when I'm thinking of new projects and, you know, I sit in front of my guys and I draw stuff out and I say, this is how it's going to work. And then we look at it like, there's no way in hell we're going to be able to build this thing uh, because it's not going to, we're not going to be able to do it in time or, or, or in, in, a, in a budget. Um, so that's a great perspective to have uh, from coming from industrial design. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, that program you're in, uh, the school. Um, how has that opened up uh, different avenues uh, for you now? I, I see you're, you're going out to a conference in the big city known as Boston. Uh, <laughs> I know, it's like so far away. <laughs> I know. Um, has, has that opened up a whole new world of opportunity for you, or is it just a, a great value to, to further your education on this stuff? Well, it's really been both. It's like I said before, it has really affected how I work with clients. And it's really honed my process in terms of really creating websites that are functional and are really resonating with the end user, which is the ultimate goal. Because whatever you're doing, you want the information to make sense with them. You want them to make a purchase. You, you know, there's, a, there's, always, um, there's always an agenda. And by doing the process that I've learned from the school, it, it makes it so much easier to achieve that process. Um, so it's made my project, my projects easier, but I have also become like an ambassador for the content that I've learned at the school. And now I'm starting to coach it and give workshops and teach it to other people, um, which is like so much fun. I, and I feel like this is really the, the direction that my career is going to go in now. That's um, awesome. I feel really happy about it. Um, because I feel there's so much content here to, that can really help a lot of people to improve the, their projects and make mm -hmm. them as effective as possible. Yeah. What you, what you mentioned in Boston that I'm doing in Boston on the eighth, on the ninth is um, a startup weekend because I've really been focusing my work on helping people who are launching new products and businesses. I've gotten involved in startup weekend. I attended startup weekend in Providence in October and just to backtrack a little bit, if people aren't familiar with it, um, Startup Weekend was started on the West Coast, and it's now a worldwide phenomenon. There's Startup Weekends going on in cities all over the world every weekend. And it's um, anybody can go to a Startup Weekend on Friday night. People have one minute to pitch a startup idea. And if their idea gets selected, then, then de designers, developers, and business people will spend the weekend bu building their concept and then there are presentations at the end and usually a prize. Um, sometimes there's venture, venture capitalists in the audience. So I'm actually going out to Startup Weekend Boston on, on February 9th, and I'm going to be a design coach. Nice. There. Yeah. That's awesome. That does, it sounds like a great time. I, I'd, love to, uh, I'd love to attend one. Now, is it – do they – just because I'm curious, do they work on the project just for that weekend, or does it carry over from weekend to weekend, or is it just a – quick like cocktail mixer everybody meets each other and then they go and build it afterwards it really depends on the group some projects are only for the the course of that weekend 
sometimes the team leader, the person who did the pitch, decides to keep that project going. And a team is created from the people that they met at Startup Weekend that were working on that project. So it really varies from project to project. Awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. That does sound fun. I'd love to... Uh Love to get out there and, and attend one. Um, let's jump into the freelancing uh, side of things um, and actually the process behind your process. Do you have a, a daily routine that you run down um, to get your day started as, as a freelancer, as someone uh, running their own business? I wish I could say I did. <laughs> um, I Honestly, it, it really varies depending. I have a lot of different things going on right now. So it's all about the to-do list. Yep. It's all about to-do and tasks and just knocking them off one by one. And um, I try to keep all my meetings in the afternoon because I'm very productive early in the morning. So I like to get up at like five or six and just get down to work and just start cranking stuff out when I'm as clear-headed as possible. And then when I'm not as focused, but I, you know, Feel, and I feel like I've gotten a good chunk of work done, then I start to interact with, <laughs> with the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am quite the opposite. I like to have meetings in the morning uh, and then work until 2 in the morning. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, that's, that's kind of my uh, backward side of it. Um, I think we kind of, this, usually the next question I ask is in the freelance side, how do you deal with that $500 client? I guess real quickly, how did you find yourself growing out of that? Um, was it simply just the hard work building up the portfolio and slowly scaling yourself and pricing yourself out of that realm? Um, any advice to folks um, who are looking at it and saying, how do I uh, get out of this $500 rut? Well, I think some of it is really, is really experience and having a, having a backlog of work to show for yourself and having um, a career, having, having had your career developed. So I think some of it is really just patience and time, but I'm a strong believer in perceived value and how you present yourself and, and how you communicate what's important to you. And I think that the better you get at doing that, the more you are able to attract the type of work that you want to do. That's an awesome answer. Um, can you share what really works? Uh, one thing that really works in your business today? One thing that really works for me is to really be able to communicate, to be a good listener and try and coach the client. So I'm not telling them what to do. I'm not forcing my aesthetic on people. I'm trying to understand what their business goals are. So by understanding their brand, their user, and their business goals, then we can put together something that makes sense within their budget. So I think a lot of it is one thing that I've learned as I've gotten older and had more experience is being humble, which, you know, is when I was, when I was young and just out of school, I felt like I knew everything and I wanted everybody to want my aesthetic and you know I was the expert but I think taking my ego out of the equation and really trying to focus on the, the needs of the customer and the needs of their client has really changed how my how my practice is flowing great that's awesome um, if you could go back in time, one year, five years, ten years, uh, what is the key ingredient or process you think you would change uh, if you had to do it all over? 
Um, boy, that's a tough one. I know you stumped me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, let's now kind of dive in and and kind of wrap up the more formal interview talking, uh, closing it out with WordPress and kind of the community and how it helps you. Um, what's the one weakness, uh, that you might have, um, in the whole grand scheme of web development and design that WordPress uh, you can kind of lean on WordPress and its community uh, to help get the job done. Oh, just development, yep. really. Just yep. the overall, um, the, I need other people to tell me what can be built. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. When I'm doing custom work, I need other people. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and again, we always bring this up. Community is great. Everything uh, about it um, is 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 accessible. Uh, for the most part, people are friendly. Um, you can get in touch with folks uh, locally at WordCamps, WordPress meetups, online, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, stuff like that. All the good stuff said about WordPress. What's your one gripe uh, about the software and how do you think it can improve? Updates. <laughs> <laughs> is Drive it me crazy. <laughs> too many updates or just a better process of updating? I think the the process of updating and the potential for conflicts and things breaking. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how to how that could be improved, but mm-hmm. that's the the most frustrating part of it to me is that it's not just about up- keeping keeping the content of the site updated, but the af- actual infrastructure of the site updated, and um, that's just more work for me. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, folks who are starting out in WordPress, either design or development, where should they look to? And, uh, and I think I've kind of got the answer from you already is, is, is that personal one-to-one networking at WordPress meetups and WordCamps? Is, does that ring true for you? Is that the best place for folks to, to head out to? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for designers, that's a great, I mean, the best place to meet developers and to really get to know people. Um, I've also participated in online forums as well, where I met my developer in the UK. So I think just letting people know that you want to build custom stuff mm-hmm. because they, I found that developers want to do that too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's talk really quick about Word uh, Camps. We just had our first one in Providence. We were both uh, volunteering and, and uh, speaking at these events. How was that experience for you? And more so, what was what was your take on the imaginary line of cool kids, not cool kids? Why aren't they speaking to each other? How can the beginner walking in who's kind of overwhelmed by, oh boy, those are automaticians and code poets. How do I approach these people? Um, you know, that's something that I observe at a lot of word camps or that some folks might just be introverted and they're afraid to go and meet others. What was your experience with the WordCamp, and how do you think these folks could uh, jive a little bit better? Well, that's that's a great question. I've had three. I've been to three WordCamps. I went to Boston in 2011, which is was right after I started using WordPress, and some of the talks were a little uh, over my head. Actually, a lot of them were, um, but I found that people at the Genius or happiness. the Happiness yep. Bar were really helpful and very nice. Um, I'm I'm pretty good at going up to people and just saying, hi, I'm Stephanie. And, you know, I think just going up to somebody who's standing alone 
is always a good bet. Um, you know, is for because when you when you approach somebody who's standing alone, they're they're most likely not going to be rude to you. If right. you go up and introduce yourself and say, "Hi, I'm new," and you know, I, I have some questions, or you know, have you been doing this for a while? Um, so I found that 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 was that that was helpful, and I was able to learn to manage to my questions from the happiness bar and just approaching people. And it, and when I was sitting in uh, workshops. I actually started talking to the person sitting next to me and started asking them questions. Hey, are you a developer? How does this work? I don't understand why this isn't. And I'd usually get a pretty good explanation or, you know, sitting with people you don't know at lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's really that, that simple. I mean, you know, and I, it can pre be pretty uncomfortable when I'm in a room full of strangers, but you know, I find that just, uh, you know, being friendly gets you friendly response in return. And then the second word camp actually spoke at, um, that was WordCamp Boston in 2000 and, um, 2012. Yep. Yeah. So it was just this last year. I did a talk with Al Calderon, the developer, and it was about the designer-developer collaboration. And we talked about our process and how we work together to build custom WordPress themes. So that was a really good experience, too. I found that people were really receptive to, the, to what we were talking about and, and friendly. Um, you know, and I think that if you are, if you're thinking about giving a talk at WordCamp, there's, and you know, you feel you've learned something at doing WordPress that might be helpful to other people. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally because agree. Because when I was, when I was working on the presentation, I'm like, what would the Stephanie from a year ago would really want to know about working with WordPress? So somebody who was you know a year behind me in my in my learning of WordPress what what would be helpful to them yeah. and so they could learn from what I've learned and and I found that that experience was really rewarding um I know that Al attracted some clients from it so that was really great and nice. then um and then I did not speak at the one in Providence but I volunteered and um and help get that going and that was also really fun yeah that was a good time uh and pretty amazing for our little corner of the country uh to have it sold out like that uh for the first time uh with so with such an overwhelming amount of people um you know it's looking really good uh for for coming up with another one this this coming year did you have your your talk at the boston one on sunday no it was on it was the first talk the on first saturday day? morning huh. yeah um Awesome. So let's jump into uh, the next segment, which is called What's in Your Toolbox? And this is what do you use for software or hardware on a daily basis uh, to get the job done? Like an Evernote, Gmail, uh, you must have your iPad. Uh, what is it that you use on a daily basis to get, it, get your job done? I do my to-do list in Evernote. Um, I find that that's great. So wherever I am on my phone or wherever, I can always uh, add things and refer to it because if I don't write it down, it's you know, it's less likely to get done and it's just floating around in my head, driving me crazy. So having it actually written down and then I can change the color of it when I'm, you know, it's in progress or mark that it's, or change the change it to another color when it's done. I find that it just, it, it's so simple and so silly, but it really helps me. Um, I, uh, Photoshop, Illustrator, when I'm doing industrial design, I'm, I'm using 3D modeling software. So it's really a, a combination of, of all of that. I've just started using some of the, the Google Drive for um, project management with some colleagues and some clients. So. Awesome. Is your 3D modeling software, is that Windows or Mac? 
Windows. Nice. Must have a pretty powerful machine to run something like that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Or it, or it takes quite a while to uh, process the information. Sure. Um, any, any, this is random, but any, not random, but any thoughts of uh, getting a 3D printer? Oh, um, no, but I'd like to play with one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I haven't seen one in action yet, but I, I, I heard there's actually, there's a startup in New York. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but he was on This Week in Startups, Jason Calacanis, and it's, uh, I think it's a place where you go and actually bring your, your industrial designs to be uh, 3D modeled and printed, 3D printed, um, and they use some kind of special plastics um, that I was listening to. It sounds pretty intriguing. They actually have a lab, a lab at Johnson and Wales University here in Providence, oh, really? and I think they also they do does three D printing, and I believe there's also um, one at Brown as well. So there oh, is three awesome. D printing going on in this area yeah. too. Yeah. Don't don't forget our corner of the world, everyone. <laughs> we are pretty uh, technologically advanced here. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I am in Massachusetts, but closer to Providence than I am Boston. Just for those who are wondering. Uh, so listener questions. Had two of them submitted. One of them we already kind of uh, hit upon, and it was always it was uh, at Paul Zero V Two, one of my designers. He was asking about. Uh, always interested to know about the process of design, um, and I think we hit that. Uh, one of my SEO colleagues uh, at Comet Ton. Uh, what are your thoughts on prioritizing design over accessibility? Accessibility is part of function. Okay. So, so they have to be hand in hand. Great. Great answer. Let us jump into the ever fun lightning round where I'll ask you a series of quick questions. You'll have a series of quick answers. Okay. <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, the one plugin you cannot live without. Um, enable media replace. Oh, that's a good one. That's a new one. Um, a favorite WordPress or business book. You are a brand. Nice. A quote you live or run your business by. Hmm. <laughs> the school rocks. No. <laughs> yes, the school rocks. So we'll go with that. <laughs> um, the best business or career advice you've ever received. That it's not about me. Good one. Uh, the longest a client project has ever taken? <laughs> um, probably a year. Okay. So far, it's two and a half years is the highest. Um, <laughs> if you had a chance to switch, to, and this is kind of something you already do, but if you had a chance to switch to another content management system, what would it be and why? I, I don't have... Just have somebody else uh, yeah, develop it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my other content management system is my developer. <laughs> nice. Um, who should I interview next? Oh, if you could get Jose. That's that exactly what I was shooting for. <laughs> yeah, I'll see if I can uh, hook you up. Yeah, nice. Um, what's the one question I didn't ask you that I should have? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Stumped again. <laughs> Getting pretty good at this stuff. Um, all right. So everyone, I want to say 
thank you to Stephanie for doing the interview. It was an awesome, awesome time. I hope you learned a ton. Uh, if you want to stay in touch with us, uh, it's mattreport.com slash subscribe. bring folks on uh, to help the WordPress community, freelancers, startups, entrepreneurs to kind of learn different angles and what we're doing in the WordPress scene. Stephanie, plug away. Tell us what you have going on. Where can people find you to say thanks? Well, my website, I, I am currently hosting some workshops in Providence based on the school operating system for entrepreneurs who are launching new ventures. So um, if you're in our area, you can go to Meetup and search school, S-K-O-O-L. My website is stephaniescheckter.com. So you can get an idea of the types of programs that I'm doing with my clients and see some of my recent work. And I will be at Startup Week in Boston on February 9th, and I will be coaching there. I'll be a mentor. And also on February 2nd, I'll be at Bryant University in Rhode Island with uh, the Entrepreneur on Campus group. I'm going to be giving a workshop there. Awesome. And, yeah. And soon we'll have a publicist you're going to have to go through to get in touch with Stephanie <laughs> because she's going to be all over the world speaking uh, and sharing her knowledge. Everyone, Thanks, we hope, Matt. Hope, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot.